0: Welcome to this week's episode of EVE Online Talking in Stations, the show that brings you the news and analysis from EVE Online. I am Matt EVE News Chief for thematani.com, and today we're going to talk about some news from thematani.com, and that is the article that came out from Sion, who is the Director of Content for TMC, uh, also um, one of the leaders of Goonsorm Federation and the Imperium. Uh, And also, another article that came out today, uh, which was uh, Dirks, who's a panelist for us, uh, is a semi-response and uh, another look at the same topic, and uh, so both those articles are on TMC.com. I hope you go and look at them. They're uh, both very interesting. Uh, Before we start, let's go ahead and introduce the panel, Uh, and we'll start with Ashtarothy.
1: Hey, I am Ashtarothy. I am level 22 on Pokemon Go, which is pretty much what's important. No, I'm, uh, I'm the acting commander of Aderon Robotics, uh, not the CEO, as was erroneously reported, um, but uh, yeah. Oh, uh,
0: that would be my mistake. Sorry about that. I'll no problem. I'll <laughs> look at that. Uh, Dirk?
2: Hey, what's up? It's uh, Dirk McGurk, uh, co-host of the Open Coms Show and, uh, and this show, and obviously because I wrote a rebuttal article to uh, Scion, I must also be a member of Pandemic Legion, <laughs>
0: There's no, other, there's no question about it. <laughs> uh, so, Drayden will join us a little bit later. He's running late, and we'll leave a spot open for him. Uh, but we want to ask Urziel to introduce himself again.
2: Sounds like Urz.
0: Yeah, Urziel, this time yeah. you're so quiet, I can't hear you.
3: Yeah, I'm Urziel99, a member of Multiplex Gaming, Minister of Love, delivering parcels of joy and happiness. Via emoll rage torpedoes.
0: Awesome. Okay, and so our guest today, and we're very happy to have him, this is his second uh, appearance on Talking in Stations, is Sion Kumitomo. Hey,
3: thanks for having me on.
0: Did I say your last name right? How do you say it?
3: It's close enough. I don't
0: worry about it. Too much say Sion something Japanese.
3: You can abbreviate it to uh, anime name. That's what most people do all right awesome thanks for having me on guys too like i appreciate it i don't actually get invited to many of this stuff so it's nice
0: would you would you appear more if you were invited more
3: uh on some stuff yeah but there are some that i probably wouldn't again or really ever i should say
0: Well, let's get started with the show. Uh, Simon, you wrote an article earlier this week. It was a hefty article. It took, um, it took some time to read it, but every word was worth it because you went into a lot of detail about um, uh, you know, the uh, layout. You laid out a very good argument for why EVE is being ignored by CCP, the company that makes it. Um, and you supported it with a lot of facts and stuff like that. But maybe you would summarize kind of what you were trying to go for with that article.
3: Yeah, the summary is pretty quick. It's just um, the title, I think, was misinterpreted by a lot of people. The title was simply why um, CCP is using uh, EVE to fund VR. It was an attempt to explore that. It wasn't a condemnation of that. It was not an approval of that. It was instead an exploration of the business realities that CCP is facing why they're facing those business realities, and what it likely means for EVE's customer base. Uh, the general takeaway, my general takeaway, is that CCP is spending less time, money, and resources on, on EVE, and they're spending the vast majority of their corporate focus now on virtual reality games. Um, I think the evidence there is pretty overwhelming, both on their financials, which I didn't go into a lot of detail on, and also in their corporate statements, the recent hires and the recent lack of hires. Uh, I leave it to the audience really to decide whether that focus on VR is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, it's clear that Eve has suffered for it and maybe that's okay. Maybe the business decision makes a lot of sense to the VC that runs CCP now. And the math, I while I think it's risky, it is at least possible. It's not the way I would recommend doing it, and uh, but that was beyond, well beyond the scope of the article. Takeaway is simply just that CCP is now spending their time and resources on VR and uh, spending less of that on Eve. Well, what of
0: well, the
3: can before I, you can jump I in, in and ask a question, yeah, are go you? ahead.
2: Yeah, sorry. I just want to know what he means by their corporate focus. Does he mean does he mean senior level non-developer types? Um, their focus is more on that than it is on Eve? Does he mean um, percentage of development resources? Yeah. What exactly do you mean so by corporate So that's a good focus? question. Uh, the, the actual seed of the idea for this article
3: isn't something I thought of. This was something that uh, was raised as a concern to me by various members at CCP who were frustrated in this. It wasn't something that I just pulled out of the blue and was like, boy, this would be fun to write about. It was something that was raised to me internally by various sources there. So I was like, well, you know what? Let me look into this and see what it looks like. So I don't think, and this is interesting because primarily the developers and the people most closely associated with EVE care a great deal for it. Regardless of what you think of them and their abilities as developers, they're all personally invested in the product that they're making. They have a lot of emotional investment. Many of them come from the community. Their focus isn't on VR, obviously. Their focus is going to be and continue to be on EVE for as long as I assume that they're in that position. It's instead a reflection on the upper management and leadership, where the very clear decisions have been made to put uh, Eve essentially on track to put it into sort of a cold storage thing, where Eve will continue to generate revenue, and they will use that revenue elsewhere. And it's not in a case of um, of expanding the Eve brand or expanding the Eve stuff. And again, maybe this makes business sense, but that's what's happening at their upper levels. So They're like, you know what, this Eve thing, we're going to focus on VR. Uh, we've done Eve. We spend a bunch of time on Eve, next big thing, VR. That's where we're going, that's where we're going to be. We'll keep Eve running as long as we can, as long as it makes us money. And in that sense, I don't imagine Eve will be anywhere near dying anytime soon because it does make money, and it can make money on very few people.
0: Well, um, I think Dust was supposedly making money at the end and it died. But we'll we'll get to that in a second because I think that was actually... um, a rumor and dust wasn't making money, but uh, I wanted to, and Dirk, thanks for asking that question, because it kind of took us to the origin of the article and how it got started, which was where I was going to go to further set up um, how the article came to be. But I do want to point out that uh, a lot of the reaction may be misinterpreted, may be misinterpreted, but uh, some of the reaction, because of the statistics of Eve's numbers dropping, because we're facing the summer slump, which is typical for Eve, it goes down in the summer, uh, as people emerge from their houses uh, to see the sun. Um, but it seemed like another uh, Eve is dying article.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of that is an emotional response on to me as a person and sort of my entity in space, as it were, uh, rather than just looking at the facts in front of it. Um, a number of people were looking at the original article and being like, well, of course, CCP is using their one revenue generating product to fund other things like that's blatantly obvious. I actually mentioned that in the fourth paragraph, like I mentioned, there is nothing unusual about this. This would not be worth talking about except, and it's that except that's interesting because it's not the case that CCP is using their one revenue thing to, to then push other products. That's normal. There's nothing wrong with that or whatever else. What is abnormal is to have a company that's nearing two decades that has yet to launch a second product of any significance. The track record is bad, and there's no data that argues against that. That's one point. The second point, and I think that was missed by a great many people, is that we have a situation in EVE where subs and pcu have plummeted far below whatever what they were in um in the incarna crisis in 2011 for reference and this is something you hear a lot in um about people is talking about the summer slump the summer slump during the incarna crisis was about 35k for pcu in other words not quite but almost double what it is now same time frame only there were riots That's comparing the exact same slice of time. Uh, So the question isn't, why is it bad for a company to use their one thing to fund other things? It's not. That makes perfect sense. It is instead because there is no outcry like this at CCP now. There's no sense of panic. That there is no sense of panic when the numbers are so much worse, like objectively worse, the drop in numbers between uh, subscriptions in um, 2013, which was about the height, and uh, 2015, which is the last I have access to financials for, was nearly $20 million in subscriber numbers. That's significant. That is a significant loss of profit. It is 2 thirds of the investment that they got from their venture capital to refinance their debt, which was about $25 million, right? So the question then is, if you are a company that is facing dramatically falling revenues, no other products really, and everything is all sort of in the future, a year, 2016 in that case, why was there no panic? What is the reason that the company did not have the response that they had during the Incarna crisis? Remember Incarna, they had John Lander there. He went through, made a huge thing. Hilmar had the fiction team write an apology for him, (laughs) which is funny. But uh, they made a very clear effort to placate their customer base, Something they are not doing right now. Why? Well, and it's very simple. They've John, John Lander? John VR. Lander wrote that? No, the Fiction team wrote it, but they brought in John Lander to do the, like, after that whole Summer of Rage thing. He's like, okay, let's sit down, talk with the players, talk with the CSM. They had an emergency summit, remember? Uh, they might have had two. Don't remember. No, they, but, they
1: had one. They had an emergency summit. That was where... Uh, the Mitani and um, I can't, I think it was Soundwave, like came on and was all buddy buddy on video to show everybody that the, the riots were over.
3: Yeah. And that's um, so that, that's that's very different. That's a very different response than we're seeing now. Like, we are currently looking at the biggest drop in subscribers that has ever seen, ever. And so, why is the company not being like, hey, what can we do to help you guys? Why can't we make this better? It's because their management's focus is elsewhere, primarily.
1: So I've got a couple of questions um, because I feel like your argument kind of plays in itself. So uh, you're saying that they are not they're focusing their effort, their actual, their energy, their their development time, their their money, their research, into these other things. but and this isn't about Eve is dying, but yet you fall back to the same arguments of like PCU and all that stuff. That's not that's not showing that's not a sign of how much effort that they've put in. I would actually argue that they've put quite a bit of effort, quite a bit of development effort in the last year, it's just that a lot of it has not gained the traction that they would have
3: liked. So I don't know necessarily if
1: lower numbers implies that CCP is actually putting less energy into EVE.
3: Okay, so I mean that is I think fair and it's worth exploring. So never before have you really seen a developer in public say, look guys I'm really frustrated that I can't do this. We don't have the manpower to do this in a forum post, right? It's like, we cannot, we do not have the manpower to do this. We can't even get back to basic ship balancing. Sorry, guys, we just can't. That's in public. Uh, Additionally, the CSM side of stuff, I can tell you that there is, or at least when I was on the CSM, of course, I'm not anymore. There was no roadmap for SAV. After they rolled out SAV in uh, last spring, and after they did a few iterations through that about uh, November ish time period, after that, stuff was basically done. There was nothing else that they were going to do to it because they didn't have time. They didn't have the manpower. And this is true for every development on every project at CCP, with the possible exception of the art team. Nothing against the art team. Fantastic people. It's a very well run group of people who are uh, all very good at what they do. But the actual developer people, And the developers, like, I don't even think uh, EVE has a lead game designer right now. Uh, As far as I know, when they lost uh, CCP Scarpia, a guy that almost never appeared in front of the players, they didn't replace him, to the best of my knowledge. So when you're you're in a situation where you not only don't have a lead game designer, but you're not replacing big-name departures like Guterbium, worth looking at is the actual accumulated technical debt here as well, like how long it takes to spin people up which is a whole other nightmare of a story. So that, that is true. when you are both understaffed and you can't deliver and you can't even iterate on things that used to be... Remember, ship balancing, they used to have an entire thing around, tier aside and all this other fun stuff, right? Now they can't even go back and reiterate on the stuff that they've done before because that's it. Those are the developers they have. They have a bunch of other projects they're trying to hit. And uh, my assessment of it from what I've seen and what I've heard is that the developers primarily working on EVE are ridiculously overworked, understaffed, and underpaid. And uh, if you look at the financials, again, you can see that they've taken personnel cuts in certain areas. And that is just the reality of it. And that's just data. That's not me saying, oh, they're not doing as much stuff. I think they're trying to do as much stuff or more with a lot less people and that's tough. It's hard on the developers and presumably hard on their families.
0: Well, that's the crux of it, isn't it? They they're trying to do they're trying to carry on and build this game in the middle of a transition. I wouldn't say it's the middle, it's supposed to be near the end of the transition. Um, with less resources than they have had or is the company actually bigger and then the ratio of developers is actually the same as it was in 2008?
3: Uh, the numbers I have are that the company is smaller in total numbers, and of that, more is allocated to other projects.
1: Uh, so, I want to ask a different, or I want to bring up a different points uh, that you made, which is about the peep compa- con- concurrent users from now versus Incarna. Um, it's a very interesting point. I, I do think that those are really good data points to to uh, compare together, but there is something that's also really important to factor in when you take in those numbers, which is that Incarna was about the time in which botting was pretty much the worst it was throughout most of Eve's history. And that this year is well, I think last year was the first year that we experienced without bots. So anytime you talk about the time before not the bots, but is boxers, my bad, multi boxing, not botting. Um, So Talking about time before the IS Boxer ban of multiboxing versus after it, you do have to take that into consideration. I don't know if it factors in for half, so I think that you still have a really strong and cogent point, but it is something that needs to be taken into consideration. All right.
3: Well, let's look at it just in overall numbers rather than in PCU then. We know for a fact that EVE had about half a million subscribers before it stopped publishing data in 2013, right? Half a million people. We can speculate. That the number now is closer to one hundred and fifty thousand. If you can account for three hundred fifty thousand, like if you can say those people were all well,
2: that was accounts, right? I mean, it wasn't necessarily.
3: No, those are subscribers. Those are so those are like total actual accounts
2: human to, beings. No, well, just accounts. Just yeah, accounts, one yeah. person
1: has five accounts. It counts for five. Right. So. Exactly. But it's it's also worth noting, man. I can't remember. I think it was after the IS Boxer change. But uh, uh, CCP data guy, whose name I can't think of right now. Quant. quant, quant. quant uh, talked about how the average number of accounts per user is two. So um, I don't know if that changed after the IS Boxer change or after some of the bot attacks. But, um, you know, it, it is worth noting that it's not like the average number of accounts is five. And so, you know, that makes a big difference.
3: Okay, so let's take that math and extrapolate some more then. So if you have an average number of two and you have, or per person, and you have 500,000 accounts, you can assume that that's about 150,000 people, right? Yes. Okay, so of that 250,000 actual real people and uh, if you assume then again like I assume that somebody who's much better at math than me can take out whatever they've said about how much this is done and sort of magnify it some way to apply to pcu it's not speculation at that point this is something that somebody in theory could look into and find some actual data on i don't think and this is based on just the raw numbers that stuff like isboxer accounts for 20 million drop or a loss of that many accounts it's possible and if the numbers say that that's cool but I don't believe that's likely
1: right I don't I don't like I said I don't think that that accounts for all of the drop but it it's important to note the other uh, factors
0: I want to also ask um, I want to bring in uh, Dirk because Dirk wrote um, an opposing view on some of the same themes Uh, and that article was also on TMC and uh, so, what did you find? Why? What made you write that? In, uh as a, something of a rebuttal,
2: um, it, it sort of just turned into that. I was, I was. Uh, we were actually having the TMC streamer meeting, and in the middle of that, um, I was sort of writing down notes that I was planning on because I, because I knew at that point that Scion was going to be on tonight. Um, so I was just sort of writing down notes, handwritten notes, uh, you know, about. Questions I had, or comments, or or what have you, um, and then I decided, following that meeting, to start uh, to uh, uh, put them into a document to sort of you know sort them because they were just jotted down notes. And <clears throat> as it went on, I'm like, oh man, this is getting too long. Um, uh, you know, I'm actually going to have to read this. Um, you know, and, and and then I'm like, well, let me let me continue it a little bit and I'll, you know, I'll delete some of it or whatever. And, you know, like seven hours later, five o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh my God, I actually have an article here. So um, I finished it up the next day and then contacted you and let you knew, know, know that I had something. Um, but, but but really the impetus behind it, quite honestly, um, articles like this have happened so often over the course of the last few years. Um, you, know, you know, you know, as we started to see, you know, you know The whole drop in in player count and online, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, it predates IS, it it predates the Imperium losing their space and all of their people supposedly, you know, like unsubbing and not playing anymore or whatever. It predates IS Boxer. It predates all of these things. uh, and really runs kind of smack. I mean, you, you, you know there could be a case to be made that, you know what? the rising price of Plex priced out people who had who had inflated the number of subscriptions over the years to begin with. <clears throat> but we've had this, and I, I'll call it Eve is dying, even though I don't think that this is an Eve is dying article. Um, we've had these types of articles come around so often that typically they just get ignored at this point. But Scions was so detailed. Um, you know, and 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 had some allegations in there. Had some, you know, had some, you know, specifics that you know haven't necessarily um, um, been out there in kind of this formatted way. Um, you, you know, traditionally these types of articles they would just sort of pass in the night. Um, but this one here had a lot more to it, and, and and more than that, it also had Scion's name attached to it. And because it had Scion's name attached to it, it all, you know, it automatically got a level of of uh, of attention um, from from the community that that yeah uh, you know, that really sort of drove it you know drove it crazy. Whether you know, at first it began for me on on, on Twitter where I had a little bit of a back and forth. I mean I think it was more along the lines of well why can't we address the actual the actual topics of this? Why does it have to you know seem so pointed uh, you know you know towards the author that you know that maybe Scion you know has some sort of axe to grind or just wants to poke a sharp stick at CCP or whatever it is. Um, I try and approach these things from the standpoint, well, what is the actual underlying, you know, underlying material here? And the part that caught my eye mainly was this idea of, of, you know, them using Eve as a cash cow, which is something on, I don't know, you know, various shows over the course of the last few years that I've sat there and said Eve is a cash cow. It is a no longer growing product that, um, that remains, I would say, fairly profitable, pretty profitable. um um, and therefore i understand why they would use you know you know the money from that to you know to go and fund these other things in fact there's a part of me from sort of the business side that would say i'm not sure why they would up their level of commitment to eve online given the fact that it seems they may have some other form of of higher growth potential product that they could be spinning that money into um, in fact, I don't even know that money is the issue behind what a lot of people think is, is sort of the, the, the health sta- status of Eve. Um, I'm not yeah, sure you they- can necessarily buy better decision making in some of these cases. Maybe you can. I don't know that it's throwing more devs at the issue. I think it's, you know, they need to buy better decision making.
1: Well, In the uh, development world, we have an expression, which is that nine women can't make a baby in one month.
2: Well, that's awesome for developers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, and that (laughs) that is something that has been you know you know been said over the years, and it's also one of the points that I was trying to raise in my article. I mean, mine wasn't so much a rebuttal as it was, you know, what instead of all of this nonsense that's out there, that's basically you know, I I thought you know I, I thought was being a little bit over the top based on who the author was. Um, I wanted to write something that, A, put some balance on TMC because, you know, I do two shows that are on TMC, so why not? Um, it, the notes had just grown into that part. You know, but also to say, you know, hey, look, you know what? You can write something that, that isn't necessarily, you know, attacking of the content contributor. In this case, I understand. The content contributor is Scion. But, but this happens all too often with, with a lot of people out there who write, and it discourages them from writing. And I, I don't know. Sometimes I just take issue with that
0: well I wanted to interject that uh, this is not necessarily uh, CCP doing bad financially they're actually doing very well financially after taking a bunch last of last year.
2: yeah 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 last year last year they had a record-breaking year in terms of profits and that was on uh, on total revenues that had I think declined by like you know 10 or 15 million dollars or whatever it was um, yeah so let me just to interject on that
3: take the idea that CCP2 is doing very well financially is skewed. Uh, They are making money. They're not making fantastic amounts of money, and they're not making piles of money after you account for their debt, and after you account for the uh, actual VR investment stuff. So it's not like CCP is making piles of money. They're not. That's CEO speak for, hey look at us, we're doing really well. It's important to consider the corporate context of this, because if CCP was doing really well, um, you would see a uh, cash infusion probably across the board in their products. You don't. What you've seen is you've seen them spin off uh, Paradox licenses, or to Paradox, the World of Darkness license. Uh, this is interesting, because that was a cash transaction. Paradox had enough cash on hand. They're like, yeah, we want this. And the publishing division that CCP had ignored of White Wolf is being revived. And Paradox is bringing back a bunch of the original writers for White Wolf to do that. Like So Paradox has that money, right? CCP did not, or the VC at, um, who were in charge of CCP decided that that was not an investment that they were going to pursue. Additionally, in healthy companies, you never see, well, maybe not never, but almost never see entire sea level whacked. And this happened in 2013, right? This was. A major deal that went mostly unnoticed by most of the players, but from a business perspective, a confident, uh, well-run, well-managed business is not going to just throw out all of their top-level executives.
2: In in 2013, you might...
3: Yeah, and this is what I'm in saying. In fact, like, I so, think there were
2: quite a number of people who were saying there probably needs to be major significant changes at the top of CCP uh, in 2013. 2013 right. and 14 so were horrible yourself, years.
3: Yeah, but think about it this way. You've literally had to fire your best friend or whatever um, if you're Hilmar from these people, the people you handpicked to be there. Because Hilmar owns, what, 4 or 5% of the company. What are you going to do when you're up in front of camera? Are you going to talk about how great your company is in interviews? Or are you going to be like, you know what? I kind of hate my job. Let's just rag on everything. So he's doing exactly what you'd expect him to do in this, regardless of whatever the actual realities of the numbers are. He's doing the CEO thing. That's, again, like this is what I think was interesting about your article, Dirk, is you hit the point that CCP has always used EVE as a cash cow. And that's true. That's true of any company that only has really one product. That's just flat out true. What is different this time, again, and that's this is why it's worth exploring, is why is it different now? Why is CCP treating a two-year loss? And again, I don't know the 2016 numbers. They're obviously not out. Why are they treating a two-year loss in subscriber numbers up to the tune of, I think it was $20 million or thereabouts? Why are they totally ignoring it? Why do you not see a John Lander being like, hey customers we really still like your money we'd like to build a product that you want to buy help us do that why
2: don't you see that
1: so I think that you do see that but I was gonna say, not, I, you, I think you do too. But. you're not being we're not being told it directly so the biggest symptom of that is this whole nonsense with dailies and other stuff like that like they straight-up said that one of their biggest problems right now is that because they extended the queue time people are not logging in so here's what's happening um and this is really the problem okay, so statement again, that's being like discussed.
3: this is this is irrelevant to this part of the discussion that we're not talking about people logging in we're talking about people paying money to subscribe to the game because it is still right. a subscription-based model
1: it but let's, matter let's talk
3: PCU about that like. let's it doesn't talk about all that matter about it. Okay. so
1: because this isn't about pcu when i'm again as you pointed out they're not going to say the bad stuff out loud right so Let's talk about really what happens when people don't log in, right? So if I have a training queue where the maximum amount of time that I can go without thinking about it is about 20 to 40 days, then that means at least once a month I am thinking about EVE Online, right? So, and most of the time, it's more frequently than that. I mean, that's like endgame stuff. Those are people that are already committed. If I'm new to the game, I'm thinking about EVE every day or two so that that way I can deal with my queue, I'm making plans, and all that stuff. As it stands now, people go make their one-year queue. In fact, even worse, they copy the one-year queue and import it from somewhere else without putting any thought into it, and then they log off. And then the problem is, is that it allows them to not think about EVE anymore. So they log in less, they're engaged with it less, and so then when it comes time for their subscriptions to come back up, well, I'm never logging on to this game. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm not doing anything. And so I unsubscribe. Like, that is the end result of people not logging in. It's not about PCU. It's about people not being... In a weird way, forced to get value out of the product, and therefore they don't, and therefore <laughs> yeah. they leave.
0: Well, let's let's talk well, I, about okay. that for a second, Sion.
3: Just, Can you, yeah, or yeah let we me gonna, get there real quickly. Yeah. Like, this is interesting because this is this is sort of the the hard part that most even Eve commentators sort of get into is they get right into the details. Like, here's a reason that I think is leads to this cause, or I think this cause is because of this reason, or whatever. And that is really difficult to tease out, particularly in a complex system. And that is, I think there's lots of interesting discussions to be had about why all this stuff has happened and why things are the way they are. I think that's an excellent discussion to have, but I don't actually have a whole lot of data on that other than speculation my own analysis. I can't look at this and say, okay, this change caused this, and this change caused this, and this resulted in this. I can say with a great deal of conclusiveness is Eve's subscriber numbers are dramatically down CCP is not responding like they did in the past. That, those are two things I can say very conclusively. Everything else is a lot of speculation that I can't really tease out, I don't think, with sure, a reasonable truth value. So it's it, not something that I can really get into, I don't think, or anyone else, really. Right, but
1: it seems like you're making the conclusion that those two facts that you just said imply that CCP doesn't like care or aren't putting energy into it or are kind of being lazy about it. But I would suggest that it implies that they're actually just getting more revenue per account via the other mechanisms that they've built in. And therefore, it's not seen as a problem as much. Now, uh, yeah, basically.
3: Yeah, I mean, I disagree with your premise, but I agree with your conclusion. I think it's absolutely true that Eve is getting more money per account than they did. I think think that's fair to say, and I think that's why they're going to keep pushing microtransaction stuff. It makes a lot of sense, and that's where the focus is. But again, like this is, like what we're talking about is not the idea that Eve can run on a microtransaction model. Maybe it can, maybe it can't. Or that Eve can run on a free-to-play model. Again, maybe it can, maybe it can't. It is instead, when you're looking at the actual focus of the company, uh, remember, before CCP did all of this stuff, I think it was, they took a write-down of about $70 million on their various investments, and they've spent a lot of money on R&D if you are an investor, like if you are actually putting money into this and you're looking at the returns, you look at this and then you fire your C-level, right? <laughs> you're like, wow, we've gotten very little in terms of what we've had. I think we need some changes. Well, and those changes are whatever they are. And now we're looking at a case where if Hilmar is standing up, he's not talking about EVE, he's talking about VR. He's in San Francisco uh, about a year ago. Uh, he's done this at other conventions. He's flying out to Taiwan to talk about VR and things like this. He's not talking about EVE. And it's simply because, remember, they got their investment money for VR. They did not get their investment money for EVE. EVE itself, as a product, funded all of this other stuff, sure. But it also has accumulated a lot of debt because they've blown it on investments that haven't actually panned out. And now, CCP is reliant on this investment to actually continue with their company, regardless of what happens to Eve, they need VR to work because that's where they're—that's how they got their corporate debt bailout. I don't think this is like super common knowledge, but CCP was in a position, again, right around 2012-2013, as an acquisition target because it did have a stable income yet yeah, had some debt but somebody could have easily came in and bought up either that debt or invested in it and then restructured it, which is exactly what happened. Like This is not a case where it's a company that has a poor product. It is a company that has a product that is poorly managed. And that is, I think, why the VC guys are like, you know what, we're focusing on VR. Maybe we spin this off later and sell it. Maybe we divorce it from Eve. I don't know, but these are business decisions. They have nothing to do whatsoever with what's going on in the actual development side. Because primarily, and this is really important, that I don't think Eve players, more importantly, understand, is that the people who are doing the numbers on this stuff do not care about your stories. They don't care about what you get out of the game. They care about whether their investment makes them money. They don't actually care if you're enjoying it, beyond that it makes them money. And they don't care that they pre- created uh, a situation where they're investing into a decades-old institution that has a long memory and has mm. a bunch of people who are highly emotionally invested in it. The case, and I think that could be obvious to anyone who has any real understanding of how this stuff works, is that Eve's customers are vastly more emotionally invested in the product than Eve's venture capital owners. That would be my suggestion as why we're looking at a VR-centric CCP and why they're looking at Eve as being like, eh, this is kind of an anchor around our neck. It's old, we can't even use all the current hardware stuff because dual core or whatever. Anyway.
0: All right, so that's pretty interesting. I like that last point. It was pretty interesting and succinct, but uh, we're speaking about investment and let's, let's kind of make that relate to Eve because Eve itself is, is a game where you invest a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy and a lot of emotion uh, over a period of years as you build up your arsenal of ability to do things in the game. And so your article comes out and says, guess what guys, CCP forgot you, and uh, the game's going into the tank. Those are not necessarily what you said, but those kind of come together, and uh, maybe it looks like a don't-buy order into this game, which puts everybody in a state of panic because, as you know, when a don't-buy order comes out, people sell, 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 and get out and try to find the quickest way out. Do you think that's going to happen in in this case? Are you you kind of hastening um, a lower PCU by... By, uh, talking about these things in public
3: uh, I guess two responses to that one if they're in that fragile of a state that me saying something has any impact on well, their customer you're not base just whatsoever. you're not
0: just anybody you're you're scion you you know your guys are a quarter of the game or more uh, so yeah, I'm,
3: a, I'm a much yeah. reviled character so
0: <laughs> I wouldn't I say reviled by everybody but you definitely have critics out there that like to talk back to you because of your position so you're not just a little voice you're a you know a big voice
3: um, i doubt it like my personal assessment and again this is my take on it is i don't think i will have any impact one way or the other on if people decide if they want to play the game i think they will look at however they spend their money and be like well is this a use of my time that i enjoy i have fun doing this Do I have fun playing with the people I play with? Yes, no. They're not going to be like, well, you know, I really liked it, but that cyan guy said something, and, well, now I don't like it anymore. I think that's exceptionally unlikely.
0: Well, I do think, though, that younger players look up to, you know, people who've been around a few months who look up to players who've been around for a number of years. Uh, And those guys all look up to, you know, the veterans who've been here for many years and kind of have their pulse on where things are going and stuff like that. So the emotion kind of trickles down uh, to them. But part of the criticism was also, you know, this is an attack on CCP. This is an attack from uh, the Matani and Goonswarm Swarm against CCP because they lost the war. Uh, I don't know if you want to take a second to respond to that.
3: Yeah, I think it's hilarious to me is that people would look at this as some sort of meta thing because what would be the angle like oh we lost the war so now like what is the angle i guess i don't have any i don't have any even
2: hypotheticals i guess the motivation you just you just totally ran over my question
1: so the imperium is officially moving to perpetuum right
3: uh no like this is one of the interesting things about this is a lot of a lot of the way that people interpret things in EVE, be they written by me or other people, are the motives they ascribe to them. They're like, well, this person, I believe, fits in this mold and inside my internal framework. Therefore, they are saying this thing because I believe this reason. And uh, in this case, there's plenty of people who will look at this as some sort of elite 11th dimensional chess or whatever to spin into some sort of war thing. Well, that's frankly bonkers. I, and, and you're
0: Spock in that scenario.
3: <laughs> wow, <well>, I guess. <laughs> yes. More likely I think I'm Kirk, but anyway.
0: Well, you talk like Spock.
3: Yeah. Well, this is, and this is, I think it's an attempt, like fundamentally the reason I believe people do this is because it is an attempt to rationalize whatever emotional reaction they're having, like I was saying before. People can look at the data, and it's a lot easier to say, boy, this data, very clear picture, very obvious. This is like super, I don't even know why he's talking about it. But you know what? I still like playing the game. I'm still going to play. I don't really care. Or they can say, wow, this data is really obvious, and it totally contradicts my sense of self in the game. How can I rationalize this dissonance in a way that makes me feel better about me spending money to play this game? Like, I don't I don't think that's the case in all circumstances, but certainly in many circumstances you run into a situation where people are trying to parse their own emotional response to what they perceive as an attack on their self. Which is curious to me is, is that people can be this invested in Eve to not look at it as another product. They don't look at it as oh you know what, somebody said something bad about, I don't know, StarCraft. You get some people who are going to have very visceral responses, but the vast majority will be like, yeah, you know what, that whole Zerg Rush thing, I kind of hated that, I was stupid, whatever. It isn't going to keep them up at night. It's certainly not going to prompt a bunch of Reddit threads, and that's not going to prompt a whole bunch of angry outpourings into my email box. And this is this is the fundamental difference, I think, between EVE and a lot of other games, is the emotional investments the players make into it. So when you say something that anyone who has any real idea about financial records or the history of their business or any of these other uh, variables around it, it becomes a case of, no, that can't be true. Not that isn't true, but no, that can't be true. I refuse to believe it. It's like this whole, uh, you have a whole set of data. You can look at it. Data says one thing, probably. And you can just calibrate on where you are on the emotional scale and how you react to that data, how invested you are in EVE. It seems well, to be the case. We know
0: also a lot of people don't actually uh, listen to uh, the meta media anyway. Because if we look at how many people actually play the game, um, it's a very small percentage that actually uh, you know uh, the TMC being actually the biggest Eve site uh, that produces news. Um, but if you look at all the other ones as well, uh, it's it's actually a very small cut and stuff. So I, I don't mean to say that you're going to make everybody panic and everybody's going to leave and stuff, but it does look like that's how this was interpreted by people who were upset because you're basically saying, hey, or they're thinking this guy's lowering the stock that I have
3: invested in. Well, I, yeah. so I mean maybe, known- but if you, go ahead.
1: Yeah, sorry. Uh, go ahead and respond to that and then I'll say my piece.
3: Yeah, like, I think that's an exceptionally valid point. The people who read the kind of articles that I write are small like if you assume that every single person who has hit uh, who has actually read my article in its entirety like if you assume every one of those hits is one single person who read the whole thing that is a tiny fraction of Eve's entire customer base the reality is most of Eve's players don't even read the forums they don't read reddit they don't read uh, gaming sites they log in they do their thing. They have fun. They don't have fun. Whatever, and that's it. It doesn't go beyond that. And that's the vast majority of Eve players. And this is this disconnect is why you have a bunch of people who are like, you know, this game is doing really well, having heaps of fun. Look at all this cool media and stuff. While well, you simultaneously have a precipitous drop off. You know? People who are unsubscribing, are not because people tell them to. They're unsubscribing because they don't feel like paying for it and they don't feel like playing. And that is that is something that is in many ways overlooked by particularly the EVE crowd because, of, again, that emotional investment. People get up in front and do podcasts like this. They speak in front of fan fests or whatever else, and it gives this illusion of agency that you can say something and it will have this widespread rippling impact around all of these people who are hanging off your words and it's just that it's an illusion at the end of the day people do not subscribe or unsubscribe based on any one person's particular input they subscribe on their own level of enjoyment that they derive from the game and this is uh, like it's it's really seductive right where you can say look i'm standing in front of these people they're hanging off my every word it doesn't matter that there's only maybe a hundred people here which represents a Tiny, (laughs) tiny fraction of Eve's thing. You mean I'm not famous? Yeah. It's a small pond, as it were. And this is, um, so I get why people have this thing. It's like, okay, I run this podcast in this game, which is very small. Its audience is even smaller, but people listen to me and people cite me, and it creates a sort of self reinforcing echo chamber. Now, this is not bad. There is nothing wrong with deriving enjoyment from this, there's nothing wrong with having a passion and having a hobby. None of this is bad, but what it creates is it creates an emotional framework that frequently obscures the factual framework. And this is where the overlap and dissonance tends to, to happen. And you get the kind of responses that are just very, very visceral where those two collide.
2: Well, here, let me, let me just jump in hey, here. He's, he's, he's calling
0: these, us out, guys. He's saying we're not famous. Well, so, uh,
2: <laughs> so I'm not fancy. Well, so I'm in the same boat. <laughs> Hold on, because I, you know, I want to go to uh, Vicarious in in, in the channel, asked a question, which is kind of related to sort of where I wanted to go with this, which is, which is, I'd like to ask Science what his purpose is in writing this article. What do you, what do you want the, what would you like the outcome? Uh, if CCP were listening, which I'm sure that you know, I'm sure obviously they've read it, and you know, who knows, maybe they you know took that. Oh, he's just trying to poke us with a stick again, or whatever, what? what would you like to be the outcome i mean are you looking for more investment by ccp into eve to make eve a better game somehow and and stem the tide of uh, of losses, and, and yeah just to, to stem the tide of losses to try and get back on a growth trajectory um and i really wish that you had written this in the winter so that we can get past this idea that the only time that subscriptions in this game and activity in this game declines is in the summer that's kind of a statement to the to to the summer oriented crowd out there the trend is your friend ladies and gentlemen and downward summers multiple summers is 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 the thing here this is we're not talking about this because oh look this summer it dipped we know that it dips in the summer right yeah. but anyway what do you what do you yeah. want out of this yeah go that's, a, that's a good question and i
3: think it's Fair, because and that's something I actually want to talk about because it's nice to be able to say what my motive is rather than just have it thrust upon me. So I guess to put on my uh, sort of wizard orange hat. spray tan, and rat-colored <laughs> toupee, I'd like to make Eve great again. Really? Like this is this is one of the this is one of the really biggest things that is seemingly more common in uh, this generation of gamers, and it wasn't true in the past of Eve where, in the past, Eve's players and Eve's customers could criticize the company, and the customers would be able to do so in a way that both resonated with other customers, that would maybe spark off riots or whatever else, but would lead to actual change. And that no longer is true. There is no longer true that you can criticize uh, the way that Eve is made and still have any kind of resonance with the other uh, groups of customers. It's exceptionally limited. And the reason for this, I think, is beyond my knowledge, but it is the actual effect. And I don't know if it's conflict avoidance or what, but you cannot fix something without frankly addressing the stuff around it. You can't look at Eve and be like, you know what, Eve is really in a great place right now. There's, you can say it is in a great place for me, you can say, you know what, I really enjoyed this for me, but in aggregate, Eve is not in a place that it was three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. So I, I don't,
1: I strongly disagree with that sentiment. I think okay, that there's plenty of fine. places let's, let's for there to, to be criticism. So this is
3: this is my motive though. My motive is to turn a purely pragmatic lens upon the product, which is Eve, right? And we're trying to turn a pragmatic lens on it, not from a perspective of venture capital who doesn't care about our stories, but from the the lenses from, look, this is me. I've been playing since 2006. That's 10 years. That's an entire decade that I've invested in this. And I could either say, look, this was this is clearly uh, an entire thing that is different. Everything is different. Uh, Everything is just wholly wrong. And that's not true. EVE is fundamentally no different on its base level than it was in the past. Yeah, the mechanics have changed. But what makes eve eve hasn't changed and that is the people and the society that's risen up around it independently of anything ccp has done and the people who have risen up around it regardless of what you think of them doesn't matter which side they're on in any given war or even if they participate or acknowledge these wars is unique it's special it exists nowhere else in the gaming world period and for me personally it feels like that entire universe And the efforts that I have put into it and others have put into it is being squandered in a way that it should not be, and it doesn't have to be, if only people would take a more realistic look at what's going around them rather than a fanboyish, emotional-driven kind of uh, standpoint.
0: Hmm.
1: So I'm the master of tinfoil, or at least I've been accused of it at some uh, various times. So I'm going to... You, you seem to be also kind of projecting what people are thinking about your article or why people are responding the way they are. Let me offer an alternative kind
0: of theory, which is fair. That... I, I said that to be fair, Well,
1: you're not the only one to be fair, but uh, so one of the things that I have noticed personally about um, a lot of your articles or a lot of your public appearances um, since we'll call it e Vegas, October time period. Um, And also, you know, a lot of the tone of just the Imperium in general, as well as a lot of the stuff that's been leaked or whatnot, has been this idea that there is a certain amount of control over what CCP does. Right. And and that and again, I'm not saying that this is true or anything like that, but this is the perception that has been mounting over the course of the last 10 months or so that after the um, the. Kickstarter happened that the Imperium took a very hostile uh, stance towards both the EVE community that is outside of the Imperium but also CCP and that there have been varying shots both from CCP, a la you not being allowed to be on the CSM, and uh, the Imperium through various articles or uh, having thing- moving more things to other games and whatnot that basically says that if CCP will not accept your guys' suggestions or your ways of doing things that you will basically attack them via the media which is reinforced by the fact that the Matani.com, in its originality was from the very beginning they, it, it was the Mitanni stated that he discovered that the CSM was or sorry that the media the gaming media was more powerful than the CSM and therefore to have more influence over over Eve he had to control the media and therefore the Matani.com was born so i guess the problem is is that you say that you want make to make Eve great again but yet there's no call to action there's no path forward there's no uh, there's no way in which i can read your article and believe it in total and feel like Eve could be great again. That it's basically okay. just saying that that the that you, the, this is the writing of the wall and and stop agreeing with this company because they don't agree with you.
3: Yeah, I think that like this is one of those scenarios, and you and in, in that there's a lot to unpack, which I was probably way beyond this. Uh, it is important to remember that this is not something that started uh, post Vegas last year. The relationship between Goonswarm and CCD has been, we'll say, fraught since the whole Tech 20 or T20 thing way back in the day. And that was, uh, it sparked thread knots, it sparked a whole long lasting bits of enmity that exist to this day. Uh, I personally, again, like this is purely pragmatic. It's much more in both my best interest and probably lots of other people's best interest if Eve is very successful and does well. Just purely pure pragmatism there, so I have literally no reason to be like, you know what? I want to torpedo this because spite, unless you think I'm that kind of person, which many people do.
0: Because if but Eve it does well, you guys me. do well.
3: Yeah, exactly. When Eve does well, we get more players, our community grows, we have lots more stuff, and that's great. Those those times are wonderful. Uh, but the but the idea that this is recent is false. Like this has the dialogue between CCP and Goonswarm has existed since 2006 and one of the first things we ever petitioned ccp for was an increase in corporation size because we couldn't fit enough people and that was a long lasting months long thing that eventually capped off in a uh, poetry reading set to clip art or something but this was in 2006 and things really took a downhill nose dive after it was like devs are literally cheating on behalf of people and Whatever the cause there, like whoever started it, it no longer really functionally matters, because it just keeps going. It's like any other sort of hate-fueled war in the real world. Nobody actually remembers how it started, who fired the first shot. It's just the cycle of violence that spirals on. And it would be fair to slot me into that cycle of violence based on perceptions. Again, this is where I just have to look at my past record. These are the kind of articles I did not write when I was on the CSM. And I did not write them because I knew that in public, they'll have a very different impact. When I was on the CSM, I delivered this in far more um, scathing feedback about things that they were doing or how I took them to be doing in a very private manner. And that's it. It stayed private. Because that was the pathway I had then to affect change or try to affect change. I no longer have that pathway. And so I just write down my thoughts and publish them. It's not because of any sort of maliciousness. It's because I still think that there's lots of problems and lots of things that EVE could do better and that CCP could do better. But my pathway now is not, hey, I'm going to sit in a meeting and tell you these things. It is, well, OK, I guess I'll write it down, and maybe people will read it, and maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, the the interesting component of the whole actual website thing is, and this is in retrospect I think should be clear to anyone, is that when uh, uh, Matani was attacked by people for his uh, whole you should kill yourself thing or whatever, the wizard hat moment, that whole scandal that did cause him to lose his seat was emotional for him. And I disagree with him. I don't think that Using the media is the way to control things. I don't think you can control something like that anyway. You can't control a company. A company is going to do whatever it's going to do. So it's not control. It's a way to rationalize post losing your seat after a scandal to be like, you know what? I didn't need that anyway. Right? Like, this is a very human response. It's like, I didn't need that anyway. I'm going to make my own website and it's better anyhow. Right? Like, that's just a human response. That's not a tinfoily kind of thing. Uh, so that's like, I mean, that's sort of the tip yep. of that that iceberg but that goes into a whole bunch of other different tangents
0: yeah actually sounds like very interesting tangents but let's let's relate that to what you just said so i think some people could look at this i look at it as an analyst i know i work for tmc i work for you uh but i can still look at it from um you know the other side because that's the team that i'm on i'm, I'm on mc as, as everybody knows um so i hear what people talk about and stuff like that that's not to say that this is widespread but you could take that same analysis you just did and put make it applicable to here. Goonswarm lost all their space. They're now moving away from it. It's definitely looks like it's the end of the war as we knew it. And uh, then this article comes out saying, uh, you know, uh, the game sucks basically, and it's losing all its people. It's not fun anymore. And so is it, you know, that's why I think people look at it and say, oh, it's an emotional reaction to actually losing the war. Would you be saying all this stuff if you still had territory and you were strong as ever in the North?
3: Yeah, I would. The only scenario in which I would not be saying this stuff is if I had some sort of pathway to say these kind of things, which I believe need to be said. I think somebody has to say things that are unpleasant but true so that people can universally look around at them, acknowledge them, and try to fix them. Um, that would so be the only Are scenario. you
0: surprised at their reaction though? Because the last time it seemed like when Incarna came out and people said, hey, you guys aren't paying attention to the broken game. You're doing this stuff that you, you just want to extract more money out of us. It seemed like Matani was kind of in the lead of that parade, or at least he was very visible in it. And Everybody rallied uh, around you guys. Uh, I don't know if it was around you guys, but, you know, you rallied together and put a lot of pressure on the company to pay attention to even to give it what it needed, which was more resources or, you know, more focus.
3: Yeah, so this is one of those incidents that I think is, again, sort of been mythologized in a lot of ways, intentionally or not. Because it's important to remember that most of the people on the CSM at that point had seen the Incarnate stuff and had endorsed it. Like they hadn't looked at it and been like, "Oh yeah, that whole walking station is that's absolutely rubbish." They're like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." That
0: that's very true. People loved the idea. They were excited about the the idea for years, really.
3: Yeah, and that was the CSM included. It was only after it became public, and after it became uh, the scandal that it ended up being, which was fed into mostly like if CCP had handled that communication differently, it'd be like, "Yeah, we know being locked into a room is kind of lame," as opposed to well, you buy a $1,000 jeans in real life, why don't you buy our stuff, right? Like it was seen just as what it was, or sort of a money grab kind of thing. And that's not what it was or what it could have been in a feature set, but that's why it existed, was to get extra revenue from it. It still could have been really cool. And the people who saw it initially were like, yeah, this is really cool. We like this. That same CSM was also the CSM that was like, standing up for the customers rights and we're going to make sure that all of this stuff is done because we're solving it. And that again is a little disingenuous. Remember they supported it. So mm-hmm. when you look at like these whole situations around this stuff, like there's there's the there's the sequence of events that happened and then there's how is the perception of those sequence events that have persisted. And it is much more likely that you'll find CSM members from that CSM being like I saved Eve by myself. I carried the weight of Eve on my shoulders. It was all me, despite the fact that two months prior to that they were saying, Yeah, that's walking the stations. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, yeah,
1: like I will I will, because again, a lot of people uh, will take anything you say and immediately question it. And I've been the counterpoint in a lot of this. I want to come out and say, that that what you just said is 100% correct. Like the timeline of events of what happened leading up to Incarna have been greatly um, skewed by hindsight bias, right? Like, everyone prior to Incarna was super, super pumped by it. And, and basically, it wasn't until like the month or even the few weeks before Incarna release. And then, even then, The full impact of what we were dealing with wasn't revealed until the day of For instance, we didn't know the price of the monocle until Incarna was released like What the biggest problem with Incarna was that it was this giant? uh, You know like pulling of the curtain or pulling of the rug out from underneath people It wasn't the fact that people saw it coming and they were fighting for it and all that stuff everybody loved what Incarna represented and then everyone hated what Incarna became because like even up to like a few weeks before Incarna was released, they th- that was when they were like, oh yeah, by the way, you're only getting one captain's quarters, not four. Like they they kept m- moving the feature set back until it was basically nothing.
2: Well, that was the problem, right? I mean, it was a it, it was a it was a big pump and dump. I mean. It... <laughs> you got player ex. You got player expectation. I mean, when you when you sit there and and give players the expectation over the course of what was it four years? It, it was four well, year buildup.
1: It was basically well, it was two year of like active because they even said that it was very, it was very reminiscent of citadels actually, and the fact that they said okay, well, we're going to spend the next two years. Uh, in order to build this thing right, and so the, those four expansions were considered to be "quote unquote" smaller expansions because Incarna was going to be such a big thing. And the other thing that people need to remember whenever we discuss Incarna was that Incarna wasn't just something for Eve. Incarna was kind of like this whole VR movement one point because the whole deal with Incarna was carbon, and carbon was going to be the the thing that made uh, dust carbon.
0: Work. The carbon engine,
1: right. We now have Crest, which is Carbon Rest, which is basically all we have left of the original engine. But the idea was that uh, EVE Online or CCP was developing a 3D rendering engine to rival Source Engine, and that Incarna was going to be the showcase of that. And then it was later going to be folded into Dust and all that stuff. Now, hindsight, we look back and say, well, that was bonkers. But at the time, that's what we believed because that's what we were told.
0: Yeah, I want to say hello to Drayden, who just uncloaked. He's now on the
4: show. Yeah, what's
2: up? Sorry, long day at work. Um, I got here late. Yeah, I but mean, I, I... I definitely want to say something, you know, because I I feel as though um, uh, maybe some of the listeners out there, um, that they seem to think that anytime you talk about this, any time that you talk about the health of the game, and again, this has been going on for years now, and in fact, before Scion wrote his article, um, um, Blog Banter 77, which is... Which is asked for contributions on something you know the the Malays, the Malays and eve okay um and they had a number of co- you know co- contributions to that some of which came down on the side of yeah there is a malaise and other ones are like no 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 it's the best it's ever been and other ones were kind of you know in between or or slightly askew of whatever the real main topic was <laughs> this is not to say that Eve is I don't I don't think there's anybody here that thinks that Eve is dying but there are definitely people here that would like to see improvements in Eve now I know that there are people out there that think that Eve the game itself is in the best place that it's ever been in the history of the game and I agree that technically okay technically speaking all right it is in the best place that it's probably ever been okay there are things I think we can all disagree about we, we we can have an entire conversation about fozzy we can have an entire conversation about whether or not you like the new capitals or you don't like the new capitals or any of you know, the structures or or you know the, the entire or thing or spit with, poles
1: or command destroyers and yeah,
2: you know, basically anything or the whole release schedule or literally everything because this is what we do when we when we get on to topics and eve we talk about these some people think it's perfect other people think it don't and or that it isn't and and This is not to say that this game is dying. I'm going to tell you right now, this game is going to last a hell of a lot longer than anybody thinks because even if they get to the point where they stop really developing it, okay, um, even at the point where they are right now, you you know, if it goes below here, this game will still survive. It will coast further. But, But what we don't, what some of us don't want it to do is coast. We don't want it to get to that point. And and, well, and we're always having these kind of conversations because we actually care about where it goes. And, and and yeah, it's easy to sit there in armchair CEO, which is not really what we're trying to do. We're just trying to look into some things because we're always asking why. Why, why, why? Well, the, the, the thing with the,
4: that I was going to bring up on that is um, the people that say it's dying, and the reason why I think that conversation comes up like every year, sometimes even a couple times each year, is I think it's based on not – necessarily how long people have been playing but you never see the newer players players saying eve is dying they're the ones that when people because i know when i first came in when i first started start, <clears throat> sorry my throat's a little fucked up but or messed up sorry show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh when i first started doing open comp show uh i was like you know six months to a year into the game and th- i know that that's what the first time i saw the conversation up, like oh eve is dying i'm like what are you talking about this game is amazing but that's because i was brand new into it everything was still new and fun uh, and then you know over the years like i i have to admit in the last year i've uh gone into that malaise section i don't think the game is dying but i think that a lot of the people that say the game is dying are those veterans that have done most of what there is to do in this game and now it's solely reliant on the player driven content which right now is kind of lacking because people have settled into now the very recent stuff that the map has shook it up but But see other,
2: but see other people will sit there and say, you know what? No, it's actually vibrant out here. Okay. Now I know people that will actually say that, and I know that they're not even logging in to know whether or not it's vibrant. Okay. Uh, You know, there are going to be called out. Well, (laughs) no, I I wasn't (laughs) saying that about you. Uh, There are just going to be differing opinions about this, and it comes down to this emotional thing, like. All the time, whenever you hear uh, your arguments related to, you know, Eve is dying, right? The first thing that people go to is the Eve offline, uh, um, you know, you know concurrent users type data and stuff like that, right? But really, it comes down to something even more emotional than the statistics, because the statistics that we have are really kind of vague. They don't talk about a lot of things. You'll get CCP that'll come out with other statistics talking about activity and things like that, but even those are not fully granular enough to, to get to it. It comes down to an emotion of what you as a player are feeling feeling about what it is you're perceiving from your own little individual perspective. Uh, And then we try and wrap this other stuff around that.
0: I want to point out what's on the screen now uh, for podcast listeners. Sorry, you'll have to tune in live or watch the replay of this, but you can see this trend here uh, is going up Uh, and that is an Eve server only. It's not tranquility. It is serenity. So talking about the newness, it seems like they're just now getting into that, um, the newness of eve and starting to like uh climb so they're having kind of the opposite of, of what we're seeing
3: they're getting all the good skins
0: because <laughs> they're a different yeah. model right they're um uh, scion right they're a different model. yeah so
3: th- yeah they're much more of the pay-to-win kind of model like they're they have a very different way of uh organizing the structure there due to certain localized things and yeah they have a lot more skins and
0: and well, they, have the like, wind stuff. they have like rainbows and all the alliances get along and they uh, you know, yeah, they build
3: stuff. I'm not super familiar with it all, but it is very different than our Eve. Um, yeah, but to, to touch on some of the stuff that uh, Dirk and Drayden had, and, and this is true like this is absolutely true, that people's proximity and their own anecdotes and whatever they have and sort of confirmation around them they tend to extrapolate. They tend to look at this and be like, look, this is my experience and Everyone else should feel the same way I do. There's one additional point to that, though, and that is very frequently when people are looking to leave Eve, because there is that emotional investment. They're looking for a reason to sever. They're like, well, this is this this wonderful community that I enjoyed for X number of years or days or weeks or whatever, and now I have to leave it. Now I guess I have to have a reason so that I don't feel like my time was wasted or that I spent it poorly or whatever. And... Fundamentally speaking, the kind of people who you see posting the kind of or talking about like literal Eve is dying threads or If you remember Jester's exit when he stopped blogging, it's very much uh, that emotional suicide by CCP kind of thing Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm reluctant to engage in lots of micro things about what might be wrong with Eve or why it's being fixed and just simply looking at the subscriber numbers and say Okay, Eve's subscriber numbers are down That is true. We know this we don't have to speculate as to why. We don't have to insert personal stories into it. We can just look into it and go from there. The tendency to work the other way around almost never leads you to the correct thing. It's not like, oh well, I'm disappointed in Eve. I hate Eve. Eve is awful. Therefore, Eve is awful. Like that's really self-referential, but very common. Well, and, but uh, yeah, it's very common. No,
0: so, you're not. You're but... not famous, Astrothy.
1: I know. No, but. Uh isn't saying that the numbers are down and uh, because CCP isn't caring about EVE just the exact speculation that you were just criticizing?
3: No, this is, again, it's data. You can look how a company spends its resources and spend its time and how they hire uh, and what they pay people to do the jobs they do. Um, do Eve, you have that data? All of that data is almost all public, yeah. It's if you do a little bit of Googling, you can see uh, and also if you run any kind of brief browsers or historical browsers on their job postings again like i'm saying like eve doesn't as far as i know have a lead game designer it has been and it didn't have an executive producer for about two years like these are these aren't like positions that you can optionally fill you have to have leadership to have a vision like all of that leadership comes from the top like when soundwave was there he carried out a very specific vision. Whether you agreed with it or not, he had an idea, he pursued it, and all the people under him did that as well.
1: So, uh, here's a question. Have you watched any of Andy's... I'm uh, sorry, CCP Seagull's, um, like, real business talks? I have, yep. Because she specifically talks about having an incredibly thin upper management and making sure that each team is is kind of working within themselves and not having these, you know tyrannical upper command
3: yeah like i that is absolutely true that is how they have their agile setup there they run on that sort of framework but and this is key but how do the features actually work right like how do the features and how do the teams actually interact and build their structure and this is fascinating because there's a very recent example of it citadels which you'll notice look absolutely nothing like Sav. Sav structures you have a laser you have a time whatever you hack things right and the Citadel's team, primarily led by Eterbium, uh, who's gone, and Nullerbor, who I think has been shifted to another team, uh, those guys were like, you know what, this is dumb. Yeah, as far as I know, uh, Nul'bor is no longer doing structures. I don't know that positively, but I think that's the case. And that is, um, yeah. So anyway, so they, you had guys who looked at the design of Sav. They could have, they could have done the exact same thing that they did with Sav. You had to pack a Citadel, you had to do this all this stuff, and they're like, you know what? That's kind of dumb and boring. We like guns, and you can hear this if you know what you're listening for. And some of the interviews that these guys did, you should just listen to the the very clear uh, dancing around internal arguments that happened on the house that Adele should work versus oh, how Shav should work. I should say puzzle pass it.
0: I should say mm-hmm. to interrupt your point, sorry, that was very blatant because uh, at E Vegas, I talked to Noel Arbor and he was talking about a conversation that he and uh, CCP Terbium had and they were basically looking at each other over coffee saying, it would be really cool to blow these things up with guns. And I think that's like a direct quote from that, so...
3: Yeah, and like this is why a lot of pieces of Eve feel like they don't fit together. And this, I can tell you from my own experience, that there is no plan. It's not a case of there's a plan and it's being poorly executed. It is a case of there is no plan.
1: Well, <laughs> hold on, no hold offense. on a second, because because that seems a bit disingenuous. The original plan for uh, for structures were to use Entosis Wand kind of ideas, and then there is a huge community outcry. And the very specific note that they made was that they like the or that it's about the visceral effect of like shooting a structure. Feeling like everybody's involved. Yeah, which made sense for structures. But the whole goal of of the sovereignty was to kind of spread out the battles and therefore required. And in fact, CCB Fozzie even said that in all likelihood, as time goes on, both systems will run in parallel and they will learn the lessons from both and perhaps find somewhere in between.
3: Well, okay. Actually, so I'm I to just oh, just blow your mind me, uh, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Just One second. I'm just going to blow your mind.
0: Blow my mind.
3: The kind of things you hear in public are not necessarily the kind of things that happen in private.
1: Right, I'm but to, but to say that they yep, didn't have will. that plan or that that they decided that shooting that that shooting Citadel's or that what, Sav- or Sav- or rather Intosis wands were not right for citadels is disingenuous. They they originally suggested that as being the way to well, go. but it was the community that said no.
0: Right, uh, right. They were turned around on it, but I think it, it depends on who you, you know where you hear your information from. Because I heard it from the source. You know that they actually. Uh, looked at each other and had a moment over coffee and then said let's blow things up and and that may have been from pressure from outside or it might have been something that they were just that they wanted to get back to which was the the destructive the visceral nature of destruction
3: yeah but anyway um, like go going back to what you said about the CCP seagull thing this is the risk like if you enable teams who are understaffed or overworked and who are underpaid if you throw them in a box which is essentially a pressure cooker in Iceland be like, hey, make this thing. We're not going to give you all the things you need. We're definitely not going to give you all the time you need. Make it. Uh, and there's no overriding vision. What do teams do? They probably try to do the best they can. They execute whatever vision that they feel like is most appropriate to them. And the upper management either doesn't care because they're not supplying that vision mm-hmm. or they don't notice, which is maybe I, worse. I've actually so both just, of those things have happened.
0: I've just heard some science on this, that the stock prices for a company – Uh, will usually stabilize when the CEO is out of town, when he takes his vacation. And that is because nobody takes any chances when the boss is actually gone. Those decisions of, you know, visionary decisions that happen, happen when the guy is there or the girl. And uh, it's kind of interesting what they do instead is take small steps. And it seems like a lot of the stuff that's coming out, it seems to be incremental steps, Uh, even stuff like, uh, you know, group fitting and stuff like that. Seems to be a very safe
3: bet. And I, you can I, see this in the past, too, where CCP will throw a developer out in front, and these are developers who are doing their job, literally doing what they were either paid or told to do, who are thrown out to the wolves. They're thrown in front of players to either retract decisions that had been made by the business side or enact decisions that had been made by the business side. And these it's important to remember that dev- developers, despite their rock star status in CCP or with the CCP player base, do not ultimately make the business decisions. Well, and they that's code a, the game.
0: That's appropriate. Well, I don't know uh, about devs, but that's appropriate in some circumstances. And I'll cite one example of uh, CCP Falcon uh, giving uh, Darius Johnson Goon Swarm uh, back and uh, they kind of left him out there to take some heat and then he took it back. Because it seems like it was a singular decision by one person, right?
3: Yeah, probably. And this is, But this happens all the time and it's literally what they're paid to do and what they're told to do. So when the company tosses them out to take the flack in for uh, decisions they may have had no part in or may have disagreed with, well, I mean maybe it partially explains why they have retention troubles. I don't know, but the the important the important takeaway from all of this is, if you're a developer in this system and you don't have an overriding vision, you do not have that safety net that most people have. Be like, okay, I'm doing my job. I was told to do it by. The person who is above me, it is like, no, I did the job, but I thought I was supposed to do the best of my understanding, and then I got overruled on it, and uh, this kind of sucks. It's a very different uh, security kind of place to have that autonomy without the actual agency and without the actual responsibility and all uh, that other fun stuff.
0: Before we actually fall off that ledge, um, I wanted to talk about sovereignty, because I'm actually, this is probably going to be my next article and Compare. Um, Sov, because you said there might be two systems running in parallel, and that will technically be true, but I have a feeling we're entering the age of Citadel Sov, and that's probably what I'll take up next, because it seems like that's how you dominate space, and the Sov that was kind of taken by one or two people with the, uh, you know, entosis uh, wands, I think that'll be kind of Sov and name only, um, but anyway, more on that later on. Um, Yeah, so let's let's talk politics if we can for the last half hour, Sion. I know you can go. You you know you might uh, disappear at any time. Just let us know. Um, But we do want to ask you before you go, like um, what's going on as far as the. um, I mean, the war probably seemed over to you relatively fast. You guys have said publicly through Matani's, the Meta Show, and also Firesides, which are no longer public, by the way, but those can be seen on YouTube. Um, what the plans were and what you were going to do. And for the first time, you guys decided, yeah, we're not going to say that out loud anymore. We're going to move away from this area. And so you're in the process of moving probably this weekend or sometime, right? Um, can you give us a quick assessment of, like, you know, where you guys are at right now?
3: Yeah, so realistically, the, uh, we just had uh, another alliance leave, the Imperium, mm, yesterday or the day before. Uh, that would be executive outcomes. Um, they're going to be doing their own thing, whatever that might end up being. So it's now down to just a handful of alliances in the Imperium. We're moving um, south because we have discovered that fighting outnumbered is really hard. <laughs> Imagine that. And now we're going to just try and do something else somewhere else and see how it works out. Uh, the The actual political situation is... A little interesting because most of our natural allies and people we've worked with for years are in the South anyway. A lot of the Russians and the Steinwegen groups and people that we, who actually supported us during the whole war in the North, um, all those people are down in the South fighting a war against other people who had been shooting us. We sort of have natural allies there. Um, I don't know that we have any desire to. I guess, make a gigantic coalition again. It's kind of like what you noted. It's the Citadel-Sav stuff where owning a TCU, owning a station, sort of meaningless. You can use the space of somebody else's IHUB and their ADMs with just as much benefit without any of the flags or any of the headaches. And we might end up doing that. I don't know. Depends on the situation down there. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, it's just a case of like we looked at the stuff that we had in terms of options really like you know what let's try something new helps that we moved out of uh conquerable space really uh before the war started like it helps that we weren't actually living in the space that was taken and that we are now going to try that somewhere else
0: am i, I mistaken think it would have been in more
4: thinking uh, no, so i was just. Saying, I think it would have been more exciting if uh goons decided to just move in the same system that pl lives in just be like just come in there and be like what's up how's it going? We're going
3: to live here now. <laughs> uh,
0: am, am I mistaken in thinking that uh, there's uh, only three entities now in the Imperium?
3: Uh, so it's Gunswarm, it's the Initiative, it's Long, it's TNT, and Bastion, so that's five. Wow. So, so who well, left?
0: Uh, executive Outcomes left. Uh, oh, okay. And SMA actually uh, deteriorated and Mothbald recently. Do you have any comments about that?
3: Um, Not really. The guy was... It was always, in my mind, a likely outcome when they left. They had significant troubles, which they were trying to rebuild from, and uh, sometimes those challenges are just too great to be met, or the effort level is too high, or whatever. I don't actually know what happened in that, and how they spun down. I haven't really been in direct contact with them since they left. so. Yeah, I know uh, they were doing other stuff, but I couldn't say what. I, I would say that Kyle leaving is
1: probably the biggest contributing factor. Like, he took a uh, lot of, I guess, what some people would consider the soul of SMA with him. He was uh, you're so Kyle saying
0: was, Kyle was the
1: soul of SMA? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not yeah, saying that. But I'm, what I'm saying see. is that when he rose up that new banner, he he fractured the SMA and, and they oh. already were having problems. So it was basically. Anybody who had any sort of, uh, like, lack of faith in the leadership left with him, which left a lot, like, not much left to work with.
0: We're talking about CSM member Kyle Aparthos that was part of SMA for a while. Right, and I don't blame him at all. I'm not trying to say
1: – or, like, I'm not saying that it was the wrong thing to do by any, step, uh, any stretch of the imagination. But Kyle, especially during World War B, represented kind of this face for SMA that was – uh, to to you know, seems to me that I guess
0: he, like, seems he to me to that he ran he ran away from it like uh, well
3: yeah so there's a, a, there's a lot of history here that is and this is again the bias towards recent events as a cause it's not true in this case as it isn't in many cases uh, SMA had a long history of schisms bad breakups and difficulties <laughs> with uh, leadership stuff there's a corp that some of you might know of called MPX. I assume i mean this is Represent.
0: drayden <laughs> and urziel are from that corp
3: <laughs> yeah so the mpx was there was a lot of stuff that went on there and i'm not privy to all of it and i certainly don't want to get into it but that happened back in either was it 2011 or was it 2011? that was actually i was not it's in the corp when
4: all that happened so I can't it was uh, the end of 2011 when that happened the great
3: the great backstab as we come to know it yeah so that happened hey, subscription numbers were up back then yeah, so that was that was <laughs> half a decade ago, and as this is usually true in most organizations, where you have a certain level of inertia that will carry you to a point, but certain problems that you run into will be magnified over time. And one of the problems that SMA always had was the ability to uh, foster and grow new leadership type people. I think they had a great uh, core of people, and that core of people eventually left or whatever, I don't remember anymore, but uh, the, they would cycle in new people and burn them out and cycle in new people and burn them out. And what it led to was a steady degradation of their ability to run their organization over a period of years, not a period of uh, months, because that's how these organizational things work. And this is, it's interesting to see, because there's lots of parallels you can draw between the SMA situation and a whole host of other situations regarding... The necessity of good management, the necessity of enabling people to do things. I mean, remember before Kyle left, they also had chaos theory who left in a huge thing, and they burned up whatever credibility they had with the guys who were working with I want it, who they were working with directly, which Madderall wrote an excellent article on as well. So there's there's a lot of these, there's a lot of pieces, and most of them all. Uh, build upon each other in sort of a inevitability cascade, maybe, where it's like, well, okay, I can see where this is going. Here's the fact pattern. Just give it time. Yep. So
0: this was a long time in coming.
2: Oh, this has been. This is like he's like Sion said. This has been half a decade in coming. Just cracks in the wall, and eventually, there were just enough cracks to break it.
0: So Urzil, are you pretty happy <laughs> to see them go down? Considering oh,
3: I am. I have a first-class ticket on Smug Force One.
0: <laughs> um yeah it's interesting well the um next thing i wanted to go to is make a few uh, announcements if you guys don't mind that is that uh, i think four supers just went down tonight uh, nc took out a couple at least and i heard there was a uh, few others um also a goonswarm titan went down earlier today and that was because uh, we heard at least in the tmc channel that the um the owner of the Titans' granddaughter uh, accidentally logged in for him, and uh, before he could do anything about it, he was he was caught dead.
4: Yeah, someone I forget who it was. It might have been CheeseTube. Someone said it's uh, Titan Five Seven One is happening somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like somebody said, "Hey, account sharing." Uh, but yeah, so there's a little bit of uh, extra news there. Uh, as far as uh, where uh, GSF remains, or is it going to remain the Imperium, uh, or are you going to uh, actually merge into Goonswarm Federation at one point?
3: Uh, we're staying as Goonswarm the Alliance for right now. Um, the, the Imperium name sort of has, at this point, two meanings. It has the EVE Coalition meaning, and it also has our more multi-platform gaming meaning. Uh, what that ends up looking like long-term, I don't know. Uh, But the idea that with the demise of the Coalition, the Imperium, that the Imperium will no longer exist is unlikely to ever happen.
0: And you're saying that because the Imperium is now something that exists outside the game
3: entirely. It is. It is something that we've built into uh, sort of a standalone thing, which is now has its own subreddit which is sort of sparsely populated at the moment and has its own forums we have our own discord we have our own sets of uh, moderation standards and all kinds of other fun stuff Uh, and it exists in various games now and various affiliated entities who kind of uh, believe what we believe in terms of gaming where you don't necessarily have to associate with a bunch of shouting uh, obscenities sort of 14 year olds and you can just as an adult, enjoy a game with other people who just want to have fun. Now,
0: I'll point out that uh, Hyperlight, um, two thousand eight, said you can kill a coalition, you can't kill a community. Uh, the coalition isn't quite dead, so I won't give you that. But uh, it's true about the community, and so that's actually what's built, uh, what the Imperium is. And you've just mentioned some changes that have happened for TMC. Um, do you want to elaborate on those? Uh, I like, mean, what that's what the direction the is?
3: It. Well, it's uh, it's one of the curious things that we've. Noticed, and a lot of the lessons that we've learned in building up uh, Goon and Goon Fleet before it, we've taken the lessons we've learned from that and tried to apply it to a more grand scale and expand the scope of things because uh, ultimately we don't want to be in a situation where if Eve does meet its demise or if Eve does drop off for the same reason that CCP doesn't only want to have one product, we don't want to only have our community involved in one game. We've spent a lot of time, literally years, building up the community that we have, met up in real life, enjoy lots of, uh, lots of other games with each other anyway. And we may as well just acknowledge that what we've built is something that we can sustain across a whole range of things. And it doesn't necessarily matter if people are playing any given game. They can still associate with the friends that they've made. And we're providing the space for that.
0: So how does that work? Because there seems to be an idea that you force people into games, uh, or you you know leverage them from one game to another game, that sort of thing. How, what's the what is the uh, the group play model? And what you know, can you tell us about that?
3: Okay, uh, this is this is interesting, and I always like seeing this comment. The notion that we could force anyone to do anything on the internet is is perpetually amusing to me. Uh, we what we try to do is offer a fun place for people to be and this is part of why goonswarm itself has more or less stayed stable during an event and series of events that would have collapsed most coalitions most alliances we have not just in goonswarm but also within the more broad scale coalition we do have a sense of this greater sense of belonging that we've built upon that we're like you know what maybe eve's a dumb game and we're done for playing it but if we're going to play this dumb game that we're dumb for playing, we want to play it with those guys, because <laughs> we like them. And this is just kind of held true sort of across the board, where people will, is for whatever reason, play a different game, and they'll be like, all right, well, I'm playing this game, but I'm not playing with my friends that I've made in EVE. I'm not playing with the people that I've met over at the Imperium or whatever. I'm playing with a bunch of randoms that I don't know, and oh, you know what, this sort of sucks. So when we open up a thing that's like, hey, we're building a thing here, here's how you join, here's what we're organizing, it's just like, oh, this is the game I was going to play anyway, or maybe I was interested in, and I get to play with the people that I enjoy playing with. And it's not, an, it's not a more of an and or rather than if and only if kind of game thing. Very few people, there are people, but there are very few people who only play EVE to the exclusion of any other game.
0: Oh, I think I'm a minority.
3: I think you are.
0: <laughs> well, you know, this might be a good segue. And, it, it you know, uh, it's probably not the best idea to to do the thing that I'm about to do when we have someone like Scion on. Because a lot of people want to ask Scion questions and stuff like that. But I do want to point out the third article that came out uh, in rapid succession was the TMC Guide to Pokemon Go. And that was written by Ashtarathi here. Uh, and it is exhaustive. Uh, it really a great read and a lot of fun. And, um, it, and it's, you know, I normally don't allow other games to, to penetrate this talk show because it is a, you know, a, a, a small space. Uh, we want to keep it just and stuff like that. But I do want to talk about Pokemon Go and that kind of phenomenon because it is an amazing, um, you know, first step into augmented reality, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Before we get to that, I want to say, uh, in our streamer meeting, we were having a discussion about um, what good streaming times there are and what you know what are good program lengths and stuff like that. And as it turns out, uh, Friday night is one of the worst nights to be streaming, so thank you all for showing up uh, tonight and every night that you do. And two-hour shows are usually pretty bad because people lose interest after an hour, and I look at our numbers and we're always climbing uh, during the thing. So that's all uh, attributed to you guys, and thanks for that. But, Eshterothy, do you want to tell us what you wrote about in the TMC Guide to Pokemon?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I personally find Pokemon Go fascinating for various reasons. Uh, First of all, uh, you know, I got into Ingress back when that was a thing. In fact, actually in 2012, I wrote an article for the Mitanni back when I wrote for the Mitanni uh, called Ingress Getting Nerds Into Shape Since 2012, uh, where I kind of broke that down. Definitely less exhaustive than my Pokemon Go one. Um, I also got a three-year-old, and so you know, spending time and entertaining him, Pokemon Go has been a really good opportunity for me to to hang out with him and to meet other people. It's a very social game. Uh, You know, there's 29 million people in the United States playing it alone. Um, So you you know, if you go out, there's people playing it everywhere. So it's 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 more than just a game. It's a cultural phenomena, which in a way I think strikes me very similar to Eve Online. Because uh, Pokemon Go has its own problems, right? Like there, there's probably more bugs than features in the game at the moment. Um, but yet, in spite of that, and also there's horrible communication from Niantic. Um, you know, in, in spite of all of these bugs and ter- terrible, terrible server performances, they released a patch like two days ago. Um, and, and the only thing in the patch was minor text fixes. And if that is not a troll to your community, like there's no dev blog, there's no nothing. It's just, here's a patch. Oh yeah, by the way, we just fixed a couple of strings in spite of the fact that there's all these other things. Like, I don't know, it it, it, it kind of reminds me of, of Eve in the way that it feels like a game that's almost succeeding in spite of itself. Um, but at any rate, uh, what I wanted to really do is kind of distill down the wisdom um of the game. Cause I know that like the Matani.com's audience does go between different games, um, like you guys were just talking about. And so uh, you know, a lot of people might want to try out the game, uh, but may not necessarily want to, you know, learn everything kind of the hard way. And so the goal of the article was to not only explain the rules, but also kind of give you the the philosophy of success so that way you can read it and then you know not make those kind of newbie
2: mistakes yeah. Have you explored the uh, the lore behind Pokemon in this article?
0: <laughs> no, no, actually, <laughs> so uh, lore panels.
2: Is there the, going to be a hydrostatic Pokemon or the, something?
1: Uh, well, actually, I am talking so with a couple people. So you see this guy
2: Ash?
4: He's from Pallet Town. He wanted to be the best, the very best there ever was. <laughs> so
1: the the funny story is, is that I have prior to Pokemon Go, I had never watched any Pokemon shows, and I had only played Pokemon Ruby as a game. And so I'm actually learning a lot of this stuff as I go, but um, uh, I've started watching the show and stuff. But no, it's it, it's not about the lore. It's simply about the mechanics of the game, uh, what each piece, almost like a design overview of the game in, in seeing as how each piece is used and how to get the most out of uh, the various things you can do within the game and the various tools that they give you.
0: That's
3: awesome. Yeah, I have to say, I really enjoyed that article. I've been hearing about this for a lot, and my phone is from the 1950s, so I can't actually run it. And just to have you lay out all of the stuff and how this actually works was illuminating and wonderful. Can't there, can't there. play Pokemon on your StarTAC? <laughs>
4: yeah,
0: no. I'm, I'm thinking he has one of those dial cell phones.
4: <laughs> I was actually surprised because I went – when it was, like, just coming out, I heard that there was so much hype about it. And I was like, yeah, I understand there's a lot of people that like Pokemon, but I've never seen a new Pokemon get game get hype like this. So I actually had to go online and look at it. once I saw, like, what it was, I was like, oh, wow, that's actually a pretty genius idea uh, for an app game. Um, I'm not a fan of Pokemon, but I'm actually kind of excited because there's all kinds of other game developers starting to work on these types of models. And I guarantee there's going to be something that comes out that I'm going to be really stoked for.
0: Yeah. Um, can you uh, actually, uh, Ash? Just real quick, say that you've actually designed an app already for to to be uh, kind of an assistant to Pokemon, right?
1: Well, kind of. Um, so a year ago, uh, I developed an app known as PhoneBeak, which I published as an anti-abduction app for like women going to bars or people who have to go to other people's homes for their job, like real estate yeah. real estate workers and whatnot. Men,
0: men get abducted to Abducted too. Well, yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, That is true. But um, the problem is, is that that kind of app is extremely hard to market because it's like, hey, something bad might happen to you, you know, use this instead. (laughs) But Pokemon Go really uh, kind of brought to home that sort of thing because we have a lot of young kids who are going out sometimes for the first time, sometimes at night some you know and often to places that they probably wouldn't go anyway or otherwise, but now there's a Charizard there or there's a lure module. Within twenty-four hours, we got uh, news reports of people who are using lure modules, which for those of you who don't know, uh in the game, you can uh activate this special tool. This this it's a microtransaction, it's like a dollar. Um, and you can make it so that a PokeStop, which is a point in the world, is a fixed point in the world, will In addition to giving people items will also now spawn Pokemon at a rate of about once every five minutes and so these lure modules not only lure Pokemon but actually lure huge crowds of people like uh, we I've seen uh, online like you know five or six lures on a thing will lure in like literally hundreds of people and I've seen it myself so it's like.
4: Stalker candy,
1: right? So what happened was there's a lot of people who were especially in the first few days that were dropping lures Not lots of people, but some people dropping lures in shady areas and kind of luring people into places where they could You know attack them and so uh, this app that I developed is is basically a dead man switch so you set an alarm um, for a series of you know a period of time like minutes or hours and then, if you do not disarm that alarm in that period of time, it will begin texting your the phone's location to your emergency point of contact, which is your choosing. So, um, again, originally designed for people who you know, people like real estate agents or or you know, people going to bars, but has kind of seen this really strong resurgence or interest thanks to Pokemon Go.
0: Yeah, I really thought that's where the money was going to be and that sort of stuff. I thought businesses would sign up and uh, lure people into there, like the comic shop on the corner would have you know, one of those lures. But what's interesting to me is uh, I, you know, we were talking about people getting, uh, you know, falling in rivers, falling off cliffs, getting run over by cars, crashing their cars because they're doing it while they're driving. Um, I, I forget where I heard this, but it's like, hey, that's just thinning out the herd. That's fine. But then uh, someone said, well, wait a minute, they're all getting together in collection points. So actually, they're probably breeding faster than they're dying.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's unfortunate because it's that's another symptom of kind of the, the news media when it comes to gaming because they say, oh, yeah, person gets caught in cave playing Pokemon Go. Not stupid person does something stupid via Pokemon Go or something like that. You know what I mean? Like right. bad decision making is is the problem.
4: Right. Yeah, but the thing is like a lot of the people that are driving doing Pokemon Go are the people that are driving and texting anyway. So it's not like they're all of a sudden picked up this new habit that's dangerous, they just continuing on with their dangerous habit with a different app.
1: Yeah, it is worth noting that Ingress was a bit more aggressive at stopping or at least disincentivizing playing while driving. Uh, in Pokemon Go, if you're going over 12 miles an hour, um, then it no longer counts your distance for the purposes of like hatching eggs or whatever. Um, which is a pretty significant portion of the game, but not all of it. Uh, You can still catch Pokemon, and you can still try to get Pokestops as you drive by. Um, In Ingress, if you're going above the speed limit, the portals just simply do not function for you. So there's literally nothing you can do going above speed. So it's interesting that they made that choice, and we'll see whether or not that changes with all of this stuff going on.
0: Oh, fascinating stuff. And as you know, the stock for the company that uh, has it in Nintendo, I think, owns Pokemon, went up $7 billion in like three or four days. Actually, that's what,
1: one of the things that's really interesting. I read this Bloom, Bloomberg report or whatever it is, but um, what's what's fascinating is that, you're right, Nintendo's stock has gone up by like 98% in the last week, which is phenomenal. Sell, but at sell, the same sell. time, say again?
2: Sell, sell, sell. <laughs>
1: so, yeah. But the problem is, is that Nintendo doesn't actually own a ton of the, of Pokemon. They, there is a Pokemon company of which, uh, I believe Nintendo gets licensing from, so they will make the money that they're supposed to make. But the fact that it's a riotous success doesn't actually filter into their coffers nearly as much as say Google Niantic or the Pokemon company.
0: So they all bought the wrong stock.
1: That, We'll see how that plays out, but that is way beyond the scope of anything I can talk about.
0: Okay, so between you and me, which is the right stock?
4: Well, now is uh, not the time to buy, it's at its high point.
0: No, there's other stocks that... <laughs> oh.
4: According, according to, to Ash's theory. Well, I mean,
1: Niantic is, has definitely made a name for themselves, and one of the nice things is, is that Pokemon Go is also making their other products stronger, um, Ingress and Field Field Trip, I think is what it's called. Um But uh, we'll see as as it kind of plays out. Um, What what we're seeing at this point is actually, uh, again, Pokemon Go has a lot of parallels to EVE Online. And it's almost like the last two weeks of Pokemon Go kind of highlights the same sort of trend as the last two years of EVE Online. Like there's this huge hype, uh, this build up, and now people are actually just starting to get burned out and frustrated already because of uh, Niantic's lack of response. However. It is worth no- noting that Niantic is hiring public relations manager, so um, whoever is daring enough to take up that position might, might help things out.
2: It's a private company. It's not listed on any stock exchange. It's actually uh, it was actually spun off from uh, from Google Alphabet.
1: That is correct. Um, the The conspiracy theory behind that is that um, Google restructured into Alphabet later that month. Niantic announced that they were leaving Google and like less than a month after that they announced their partnership with Nintendo so my my sneaking suspicion is that it was considered to be a bad idea for uh, America's biggest data and infrastructure company to make business deals directly with Japan's biggest video game company Um, but you know that's just speculation.
0: God, all that's fascinating. So, Scion, is, this, uh, is, is Pokemon something that's going to be a part of the TMC um, you know, brand of games that you guys enjoy?
3: Yeah, I mean, if we can get more quality articles like that, we'd be happy to publish it. We've already got a group of people here in Madison who do that, who are in the Imperium, and we have chat channels set up for it for people to trade tips or whatever. I don't. Uh, I'm not into it myself, but it does exist.
0: Oh,
3: that's awesome. So, I, so go ahead.
1: I, sorry, I also want to add in, because I, I did say a couple of times about how poorly communication uh, Niantic has. And uh, an interesting note is that um, Ingress was an entirely different game than Pokemon, in the fact that Ingress, inside of the game itself, did not acknowledge the fact that it was a game. It was a true AR experience. Their plot was that, or is that, uh, the National Intelligence Agency has detected this new kind of matter known as exotic matter, and they're doing research and development into it. And that that research was leaked in the form of the Ingress app. And so, uh, Niantic didn't communicate much about the direction of Ingress, but it made sense in that context because, mo- in like, especially in the first year. Most of the communication was through the form of like leaked emails between Niantic members or um, otherwise, you know, like various rogue agents going on rants in videos or whatever. Um, Whereas Pokemon Go fully acknowledges the fact that it's a game and therefore probably should have things like patch notes and dev blogs and other forms of communication. So I'm not sure if they were quite ready for its uh, extreme success.
0: Well Scion, the, the, uh, the augmented reality that this is Pokemon and I guess Ingress was, and even VR that's coming, uh, and this ties into your article. Is that something that uh, the TMC like uh, gaming community or um, player you know the players that are part of Imperium, is all this going to be something that you guys also focus on?
3: Yeah, and it goes beyond that too. like there's lots of things that people do with other people who have the sort of same interests at like board games. Like, that's a big thing that most of our community plays in some fashion or another that we are like looking at organizing Dungeons and more. Dragons? Yeah, like Dungeons and <laughs> Dragons or Twilight Imperium. Oh my god, could you Pixel totally
2: someone. be a Dungeon Master? I bet you could. <laughs> yeah, the voice I, of
3: doom. I think <laughs> I could manage maybe the voice, but maybe the creativity would give me pause. I'll do the creativity if you do the voice. <laughs> Deal. 5th
1: edition is, is pretty awesome, by the way.
4: Never played it. I've played Pathfinder, but that's like 3.5 clone, I guess.
0: All right, that's awesome. We're coming near the uh, end of the show, but we still have a few more minutes. Uh, is there any topic that you guys want to, as long as we have Scion here, discuss with him?
1: Uh, I, and- I, I'm kind of curious, um, and maybe you've gone into this before, but... How do you feel that the current CSM is doing in this environment? Like, do you feel that the CSM is being vocal enough? Do you feel that they're communicating to the CCP enough? Do you feel that they're communicating with the player base enough?
3: Uh, in a lot of ways, this current CSM is hamstrung by the CSM that came before them. Uh, I don't. I am a little surprised at how little I've seen out of the CSM. Uh, I think there's a great amount of people that would like to hear more of what's going on internally. And you don't see that level of communication that you saw last year, the year before, or the years before that, really. Um, From what I've heard from members on the CSM is that CCP is in its sort of summer uh, hiatus, and they don't really have a lot of communication going on. There's been various frustrations expressed to me by people, and I'm familiar with this process, having gone through it, people who have gone into it with high hopes, with uh, the best of intentions, with the uh, desires of to make the game better. Uh, I've since heard some frustrations start to surface, and I don't know if that's going to change or not. Uh, the The CSM is, in my opinion, still a very potentially valuable, incredibly underutilized tool. Uh, I don't, I don't think they're going to change anything on it. In fact, it's probably going to stay the way it is unless they kill it. I don't think they have any reason to do so because they don't want to use it in the way that it would be most effective, which is frustrating. Just, so, just, as just asking
2: some of the other people here, like Astorothy and and, and uh, Matterall, I mean, well, anybody else here. Have you guys really heard anything out of this CSM? I feel like I haven't heard any... Occasionally. Like, um, there's... A- tweets or, or short... Theres there's a, po- or there's a podcast
4: place, or?
0: There's a podcast with Jintan on it and uh, I should know the name of it and I'm ashamed that I don't off the tip of my tongue. Uh, it's from Crossing zebras. It's a long-standing one as well. I'm very embarrassed. Um, and you have Jintan who's now a co-host of that and he will have a little segment where he talks about what the CSM is doing but that is all I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, I think that we were
1: we were kind me. of promised an exciting CSM, especially when, uh, you know, a few of the people that got elected got elected. And I, I think that it really we've just haven't heard anything, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to ask. Um, as a follow up to that, though, Sion, um, when you were at uh, E-Vegas, you suggested that that there may not be a CSM pretty soon. Do you, and you know, obviously at that time that you made that comment, the CSM was in absolute crisis mode. Um, do you think that it's at least stepped off the ledge or do you think that this is kind of like a soft killing of the CSM?
3: Okay. So there's uh, like, there. I don't think there's any question in my mind that that was in the true extent of how bad the, that part, that part of the CSM hasn't come out yet, it's, not only worse than was ever described in public, but it's worse than you can actually imagine. It's really bad.
2: We're Eve anyway, players.
3: We can imagine quite a bit. No, this is something that I don't think you'd expect. And it wasn't it was a number of things I didn't expect. And it will eventually come out, I'm sure. But I'm not going to discuss it for obvious reasons. But the the whole process of going through this this whole term of misery was to build into was built into what was going to go on into the next one. And that was that CCP took a look at what was going on. Like, okay, uh, you know what? We're going to yank the CSM coordinators um, a week before the summit. It was really bad and unprecedented action on CCP's part to match that badness of the situation. So what CCP then did is they put uh, one of the more notable longstanding members of the community team and of EVE's public-facing people, CCP Guard, in charge of it with uh, CCP Logibro working with them. Everything that I've heard from the CSM has been positive. My experience, I don't agree with a lot of the decisions they made, but my experience dealing with them personally was always very positive. And uh, I know they're organizationally much better. Uh, it sounds like they're already starting to book hotels for the summit, which blows my mind that it's literally months in advance that they're doing this so that people can plan it. I didn't have, I knew six days before if I was going no, to better go than last time. Yeah, it's hugely better. <laughs> so like organizationally speaking, I think they have
2: they've well, put noisy, the right people on it. No, noisy asked in chat, he said, what's Scion think about all the CSM members being invited to the next summit? So it sounds like they're all going.
3: Yeah, they're all going. Every CSM member is going to go to the next summit, which is, I think that's cool. Um, good for them. It'll be, I'm sure, interesting for people to be there. The, uh, but just in general, like I don't, what I don't see that I would still really like to see, and I don't think we ever will see, is the, is turning the CSM into the organization it could be. Like, this is, kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Ashtarothi, about the theme through my articles. The real theme isn't me being upset about things because they hurt me or whatever. It is me being upset when things don't work, when things are not running optimally. And this runs through not just my articles, but also career stuff and my space stuff and everything else. Is I don't like it when I see things being used suboptimally. And the CSM still very much is. I don't think they're going to change the structure of that, and as long as they don't change the structure of that, they will never have the true value that you can get from something as powerful as the CSM could be.
1: I personally feel that um, having really good ideas but poor execution is kind of a defining factor of CCP over the last, you know,
3: decade or so. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch. Um, it really is.
0: Well, it's uh, it's probably pretty difficult to uh, to make the amount of dreams happen that are out there, and uh, I think they've done a pretty good job considering what Eve looks like. If you were to come to it today, day one, I think it's pretty impressive uh, the way it looks. But um, because the game is actually all these people, uh, it's 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 limited into, uh, you know, how much they can actually design, because really, we're the game, right? Like, uh, you guys are supposed to play with each other, you're supposed to teach each other, that's kind of the idea of this sandbox that we play, uh, Eve. Um, Last question is kind of an important one, uh, and that is, if enough people leave, is there, um, uh, what do we call it, a threshold by which, you know, it will start to kind of fail cascade like alliances do when enough people leave? They kind of say, everybody throws their hands up and says, okay, well, I'm out of here because not enough people here.
3: Um, In Eve? Yeah, in Eve. Yeah, like this is something that I think is, you know, it's more than the time we have left. but. It's what I call social critical mass, and this is not my term of course, but whenever you reach a certain threshold of people and you have a certain momentum behind them, things will naturally push forward because you have enough people to be self-sustaining. And once you start losing that, particularly in a system that is used to those kind of things, uh, depopulation is a major thing. And this is interesting too, like this happened in World of Warcraft, right? They lost about half of their subscribers, something like that. And one of the ways that they're combating that psychologically is they're merging things together so that things feel bigger, so that space inside the game worlds feel like there's more people around, so that you feel like you're part of something, even if the actual total numbers are lower. Um, So, yeah, having less people in space is one thing, but having less people to talk to, to interact with, by definition, gives you less opportunities, less potential areas where you can... Like, hey, I'm going to create this story with this person. This story will be created. There's less of those chances to happen simply because there's less people, less ties are formed, less whatever. And that's that sort of social critical mass is really hard to define. But that is something that you can see certainly on smaller scales within corporations when they when they sort of implode or when they go inactive, and you can sort of magnify and extrapolate from what that looks like. To bigger systems like EVE. Yeah, so that loss of social critical mass is definitely, uh, particularly in a game where all of the content is user-created, is a concern, I would say.
0: Oh, that's awesome. All right, guys, we've come to the end of the show. I'm not going to um, go around the clock or anything, but if anybody has uh, something they want to announce or talk about, uh, now's a good chance. Three, two, and uh, that's fine if you don't. It's totally good. Okay, I want to say thanks very much to our guest today, Sion, who gave us uh, some insight into his motivations on writing the article that he wrote for TMC. And you can see that on TMC, along with Dirk's article uh, and along with Ashtarothy's article. All three are on TMC, uh, and they're hefty reading, so it's perfect for the weekend. Uh, really appreciate everybody that showed up uh, over the last two hours. And uh, this is Talking in Stations. We will see you next week.